for the past three weeks, we have begun our liturgy at the baptismal font and have sprinkled the baptismal waters over the congregation and have sung our hallelujahs, all to remind us that we are an Easter people, a community of faith rooted in the resurrection. But we are also people who at times are hungry, naked, sick, hurting, and feeling that we do not belong. After the tragedies of this past week in Boston and Texas, some of you may feel like those travelers on the road to Emmaus who are lamenting losses in their lives. Or maybe you feel like the disciples who were holed up in the upper room, fearful of the crowds, and overwhelmed with a life filled with Good Fridays. Or maybe you've had too many days where you feel like the disciples who spent their day with nets in the water and caught nothing. With all that we face, it may be easier to sing Alleluia than to live as a community rooted in the resurrection and of God's grace. So we gather today on this Good Shepherd Sunday. For every year on the fourth Sunday of Easter, we hear a section of John's 10th chapter devoted to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, the one who knows his sheep and they know his voice. But by the lectionary, excerpting only a few lines of this chapter for today's gospel, I think we miss out on the richness of the shepherd metaphor and this deep relationship of shepherd to sheep and of Christ to all of us. For central to that chapter, John writes, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. But as we heard in the first reading from Acts, there's already dissension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas come into Antioch, bringing the word of the Lord, and many Jews believe and follow them. But a week later, when the two return, some Jews are jealous of all the attention being given to Paul, and they openly contradict what's being taught. With that condemnation, the disciples decide to bring their message then to the Gentiles, to which now the Jews become enraged and expel the two from the territory. And yet we're told that the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. For Paul had no issue with openly accepting both Jew and Gentile. He knew that the word of the Lord was for all people. It seems not much has changed over 2,000 years. If Christ the Good Shepherd was so clear that there was to be one flock, why then do we still spend so much time deciding what sheep are to be included? Society seems to continue to place a growing emphasis on who belongs to what groups. I think we do that all from time to time, using ourselves as the reference point to determine who we feel belong and who doesn't. But I think we miss the effect this has on our society. Recently, I read a national report which showed one of the top three major concerns of incoming college freshmen is their ability to feel that somehow they belong. It seems that perhaps it takes nearly a lifetime to understand inclusion and a sense of belonging. Recently, I was visiting my 84-year-old stepmother who just moved into an assisted living facility, which is home for some 200 residents. During lunch, she introduced me to her friends, all who come from a variety of social and religious backgrounds. She mentioned to me that she was going to one of the Jewish prayer services that night, and that everyone always goes to each other's services. 
She went on to explain that most often they end up talking about why most of them spend so much of their energy during their lives sorting out who did and did not belong to what group. It was clear to me that as they enjoy their final twilight years, they have figured out how insane that all is. For they accept each other for who they are, the woundedness they carry, the religion they practice. They are satisfied being present to each other just as they are. Sounds to me like Easter people at its best. But the bigger challenge I see is that we have transferred that same sense of judgment and worthiness onto our God, have embedded it into our own spirituality. We define who God loves and who God doesn't love, who God saves and who God doesn't save. And through time, we have attempted to localize salvation, limiting it to our space, using ourselves as the reference point. Yet this time of year, we are called to be an Easter people and to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, whereby word became flesh. God, through Christ, entered this world to remind us that we all belong to God. One shepherd, one flock. As we just heard in the gospel, my Father has given them to me, and no one can take them out of my Father's hand, for the Father and I are one. However, something has changed recently. I'm not sure if you have felt it yet. But have you begun to put your finger on why Pope Francis is quickly being loved by so many? What is it that makes him so different than all the popes since John the Twenty-Third? I think the answer lies in the two core principles from the school of theology rooted in his namesake of St. Francis. The first is to keep God totally free for humanity. In other words, don't try to begin to define who God can love or not love. Stop trying to squeeze God in that box that each of us has designed for God to fit into. God is universal. God loves the North Koreans as much as the South Koreans. God even loves the brothers who bombed Boston as much as God loves you and I gathered here this day. The second principle is to keep us as free as possible for God which means for us to stop making the judgmental choices of determining who belongs or who doesn't belong to Christ based on the choices and lifestyles of each person. Recently, a friend of mine who was gay came up to me and said, you know, I almost can understand where the church comes from with its viewpoint of my lifestyle. But you know what? That doesn't bother me as much as it did before. Because for the first time with this Pope, I actually feel that I belong and that I am loved. See, for what we're seeing from Francis is this daily lesson on how to be an Easter people, a call for us to be open to God's unconditional love and grace. And he's doing all this through his actions. Have you noticed that his focus has not been on following the right words or wearing the right clothes or even following the prescripted liturgical norms? Rather, his focus has been on following the journey of the Good Shepherd. For in the past month, he has visited those in prison, washed the feet of women and Muslims, comforted the sick and dying, clothed his visitors, and even fed the hungry by making a sandwich for his guard after ordering him to sit rather than to stand outside his door at night. 
all ordinary acts of kindness and demonstration of God's love. Acts to help others understand that we all belong to Christ. Acts of how to be an Easter people. That is the key point that I think we all miss. For it is through the daily feeding, clothing, visiting, touching, and healing moments in our everyday lives that we experience the full life of God within us, which leads us to transformative change. And that is what it means to be an Easter people. We're called to be open to these daily experiences that point past themselves to a larger reference point we call the risen Christ. We are called to be people who live in the light of the resurrection, which comes forth from our own darkness. And we are called to be people more aware of the divine presence in each other. For in doing so, we will gain a real, living, breathing awareness of the gift of our God, who is always with us.